where are we right now? We're stuck on the motorway due to a demonstration just at the French border. Uh, as we had, it's what, 10 past 10 in the evening on Thursday evening? We haven't moved for about 45 minutes? Yeah, something like that. You were telling me there was traffic on the motorway on Google Maps and you are saying, I think there's a 50 minute delay. And I was like, it's half 10 at night, that's not possible. Yeah, and it's lashing rain, so I, I assume there'd be no demonstrations in the rain. Yeah, but these yellow vest French protesters, William Davis, seem to be pretty serious. They're going out in the rain and we're not very happy. Manifestation, as they call it here. <laughs> And uh, we could be here for quite a while. They did keep this road closed for six hours on uh, Monday. Really? Yes. Six hours? Yes. Like we, do we have enough petrol? Oh my God. Like folks, this isn't staged. Like William didn't give us this information yet. Lily, how are you? <laughs> yeah, enough said. And there's a second lane here. We're all in the inside lane. And three cars in about 40 minutes have gone down the outside lane. Most all of them are vans. on all vans. all vans. One was a Swiss van. Um, but we've decided maybe it's best just to you know, stick with conform. What do you reckon, William? I'm not sure. Well, the I'm yellow vest people aren't conforming. Well, we've got yellow vests in our car here. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we could go down and, and join, join the in. And sneak in the middle of it. Um, we've got yellow vest out the window. I don't yeah. know. This is... Uh, I was warned about this, and uh, unfortunately, it's uh, come to pass. Uh, they seemed to want to close a border crossing. We've actually crossed the border. We're in France, but we're coming up to some sort of a bottleneck. It's a toll. It's a toll, and it's a good. It's an easy place to close a toll. Uh, it's very simple. Yeah. And it depends really if the police decide or the riot police decide to turn up and reopen the road uh, in their own inimitable style, which I think they did earlier in the week, but. Maybe they don't want to come out in the rain and who can blame them because it's quite miserable. Yeah, maybe they double bluffed them. All right, that's it really from us to, to start this week's podcast. Coming up on this week's podcast, the story of Connick's trip to Birmingham. If we ever Hold get there... The Whoa. Started. Oh, there's an engine. Engines. Do we have oh, movement? I saw brake lights stopping. Hold the recorder. Nope, the podcast continues. We're it moving. Worked. It, it worked, worked, William. It worked. It worked. It worked. <laughs> start the podcast and then they'll get gone. <laughs> Uh, All right, folks, talk to you Heffernan to throw into a conic line now, five metres from the Perpignan line, coming up to the midway point of the first half, and the gap is eight points to nil to the home side. Connick have got the ball, they're steady at the back, Heffernan's on it, they have an advantage, and they're rolling forward. This is a good scenario, Perpignan coming come in from the side, Connick keep going, they're over the line, and Connick have their first try of the game. Big cheer for the travelling support, and there are a lot of green jerseys and flags around here in Perpignan, I can tell you that. That is a relief for Andy Friend and his management team, because his team have come into this game over the last four minutes, and now they've got a score to show for it. Excellent work there. They just set the they set that mole lovely, and they got, they they had a penalty almost immediately because Perpignan got sort of split on the side. I'm not quite sure what the offence was, but the referee's arm was out, and then Perpignan really rather seemed to lose interest in defending it. Connacht have won the line out at the back. Cannon was the target. The mall is moving fast now. It'll be hard to stop for Perpignan without doing so illegally. On they go. Heffernan's at the back. They're driving towards the line. This could be it. It's another try for Connacht. Textbook stuff. I'm pretty sure it was Heffernan this time. It was Heffernan. That's uh, that's bizarre. <laughs> Connacht just decided to have a line out, and uh, Perpignan looked completely baffled because they never organised themselves to defend, and they're all having a. Well, they were set in the line out, I should say, but yes, they didn't really have a conversation about how they were going to defend. Well, it. I think the problem is they don't know how to defend it, so they're worried about giving away another penalty. But nobody really had a go there, and Dave, Dave Heffernan just sort of plotted his way through the middle and eventually scored Connick are going to try and run out of the 22 and run through this advantage one more pass and they'll have lost the advantage King Keller is going to beat his man on the outside it's a forward oh that's a shoulder charge it didn't look like any attempt at a tackle surely it's a penalty it is it could be more with that, that is just Keller was taken that out that is absolutely rubbish it's awful and that, that deserves a minimum of a yellow card Tima Baenga Anuku is the guilty party Keane Keller had beaten the man on the outside kicked ahead and it was just petulant it was only for it he was just uh, dropped the shoulder was, into him was, after he kicked it was justified that, it, that he'd been beaten and he's got the yellow card and he's now having a, a, a row with his captain who's eventually persuaded him to leave 
Mitchell has the ball in his hands now. Nice little step inside from Cannon there. That's just simple stuff that gets Connick steady and back on the front foot. Fitzgerald is the out half. He gets it on to Horwitz. It comes all the way out to Robin Copeland, who's really starting to enjoy this. He holds off the man, goes right through the gap. And he's going for the try line. One more off now by two, and he throws it blindly back. And Connick pick up the ball. O'Brien has it. He's over the line. Connick to try. Number three. Wonderful stuff from Robin Copeland initially. I think slightly critical of that pass, but it worked out okay. What an answer for Connacht. Well, that's, the, that's just a killer for, for Perpignan. Copeland did the right thing. He made sure that he got it backwards. He didn't try, he didn't give any opportunity for it to go sideways. He just kind of flicked it back inside and Sean O'Brien pairing up, picked it up and just about got over. Here's Fitzgerald towards the post. Says he got it. You know he's got it because he runs away and likes it. He's a man growing in confidence. Connacht are growing in confidence. The last kick of the first half. Perpignan 8. Connacht 21. Well, that has not cheered up the locals. Um, that is just a very strange half of rugby. Perpignan played for a bit. Scored 8 points. Started making errors. Their heads dropped and Connacht have just seized their opportunities they've taken them well they've scored very simple simple tries Brazo takes it up towards the line five metres from the Connacht line big start to the second half on the home side Connacht are offside on the fringe there and they've got away with it I think it's Perpignan on three metres from the Connacht line nervy times to start this second half Echo Shard they will get confidence and belief the home crowd and the home team if they can score here they've conceded 22 unanswered points since their first uh, since a really good start to this game where they scored a try a bit of a fortunate try it has to be said and a penalty as well a drive towards the line for Perpignan they're over they've scored what a start to the second half game on William Davis yeah that was uh, they couldn't have scripted it any better really uh, Connick just got caught in midfield there and the, the substitute who came on Brazo made a, made a good run and Connick never really got the defensive line reset Gavin Tornbury another good carry from Gavin Tornbury Mitchell there again gets it to Fitzgerald on it goes to Sean O'Brien not an easy one to take as he's taking man and ball he shovels it off to Peter McCabe there's a pass out the back door and a hit comes in and it's a knock on against Connick was that a legal tackle it was an awful big hit on a Connick player who's on the ground didn't catch who it was it's opportunity for Connick to make the tackles on go Perpignan Perpignan have made pos- a game possession and they made 15-20 metres and Connick are in trouble now really good work from Shan Shan takes on the man beats him on the outside 10 metres from the Connick line Perpignan are stopped but Connick have a man down and they are desperately trying to defend another try on for Perpignan if they get it through the hands they've scored in the corner and he's going to come around what a start to the second half Connick still making their tackles though now they're on the wrong side they haven't rolled away Matt Haley to get the party that is a reckless piece of play absolutely disgraceful from Kokagi he's come into the rock and he is in trouble Matt Healy taken out it is a red, red card. card for Kokagi had to be yeah had to be that Great is call. just crazy it's just, it's, I mean they did it against Sale I watched the same thing happen in that game it's a lack of discipline it's, it's, it's a cheap shot it's a bit gutless the ball is there. Blade was waiting. See if there might be more to be had out of it. There isn't. He gets it out to Cardi on to leader. Could be on here. They have the extra man. Kieran Joyce. He spreads it out to Keen Keller. Keller now is going to try and beat the man on the outside. Maybe step back on the inside. He does that. He's tackled. He gets back on his feet. He isn't held. He's on the 10-meter line now. He's dancing through a couple of tackles. Connick to make 30, 40 meters or, or so. They're about 15 inside the Perpignan half of the field. And they're trying to move it along. There's a lovely looping run from Jack Carty. He's beaten three, four players. No one is on his shoulder as he's eventually tackled. They're just outside the 22. Blade is quick to the breakdown. He's popped it up. Maximu with the Carry and Connacht are on the 22. They need a four try, not just for a bonus point. They need to try and seal this game off because they only lead by a point and it's an absolute scrap here in the south of France. There's an opportunity to the left if they whip it wide. Blind passes from Carty to Healy and eventually out to the wing to, to the replacement Tom McCartney. McCartney, great offload and there's a chance for Blade coming in on the shoulder. Lovely offload from Blade to Healy. Healy's going for the line. Matt Healy scores under the post and from an absolute battle, Connacht have emerged with a bonus point and they're now going to get the conversion you'd imagine from underneath the post to go two scores clear oh the relief 14 man Perpignan trailed by 8 points here with uh, 9 minutes to go Connacht have wrapped up the bonus point anyways in terms of the 4 try but can they wrap up the win they have a bit of work to do Crow won a penalty but they're not going to get it Carty kicks downfield and he's taken out as he kicked that is he okay he is it was legal it was just as he kicked it it was a block attempt but it was 
kind of one where you can get an injury from. That's really good steal. Super stuff. I think that might have been Masterson. Brilliant from old Masterson. Connor Carey dropped one already. He would have been forgiven for dropping that pass. He's done well. Oh, it's on for Blade. Huge gap on the side of the rook and he's away. He's stopped in the end by Bousquet, but he made 20 metres. Caelan Blade making a bit of an impact. Healy acts a scrum half. Out it comes. On it goes from Horowitz. There's Keane Keller. Another massive gap. Loads of opportunity for Connick to run here. Keller isn't tackled. He's underneath the post. Try number five. And we can say it. With ten minutes to go, Connick are on their way to victory in Burpreenon. Ball back into the hands of Jack Cardy for the last play of the game. He'll kick it dead in goal. Game set and match. Connick have won and they've got the bonus point. Really tricky test here tonight for Connick, William Davis. And they have passed it with flying colours in the end in terms of the scoreboard I know it was scrappy so we have to highlight that but when you when you rest what, what we, we reckon four front liners started tonight maybe five and you've come away with a bonus point win you have and you've come away with a good performance at times and errors and it was a bit it was chaotic and it was hard to predict and it had no pattern but some of the I'm thinking about the younger players um, and I count Dara Leader in that who seems at the moment to be like player reborn he's, he's certainly playing some very very good rugby young Kelleher did well but Conor Fitzgerald at 10 did just enough at the, at the time David Horwitz at 12 uh, Kieran Joyce Maximi when he came on they will be absolutely thrilled with us they'll be getting on their bus down to Barcelona airport tomorrow morning a little bit later than we're on the road They'll be flying back and then they've got these three interprovincials coming. That's just fantastic now. Off to Leinster next Saturday night, then Ulster, then Munster. They're all they've all put their hand up. They all can't be selected, but they can all feel that there's an opportunity for them to be selected if they have to play. And Andy Friend must feel that he has a full squad of players. There's some injured injuries, obviously. But it's just there's 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 just something about a win like this. We would like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at connachtlan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. After the game, we were down just underneath the uh, stand behind the goal where a lot of the I'm going to call them the Perpignan Ultras because the way they boo referees who are behind the goals. <laughs> Booing and whistling in rugby style. Nothing more than that, but uh, they were grumpy down there. We, by the time we got down there, it was much quieter, but uh, we got to talk to a few people. Andy Frame was a happy man. Yeah, so he should be. I think all the players coming out were very happy. Uh, they have an early start, not quite as early as ourselves tomorrow, but uh, they got to get back and analyse it and get at it because uh, what's coming next down the tracks is probably... As hard as it gets in, I think, in world rugby to get to have to play three interprovincial games in 14 days, but two of them are at home. It's a great opportunity. It's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, you certainly want to go into that having won five games rather than maybe losing five games. It's, there's a different mindset now. Andy Friend t- talking to myself, first of all, and then you'll hear from Connick's captain and double try scorer, Dave Heffern. Andy Friend feels like one of the big results of the season context wise squad you put out there young players on the field five tries you must be delighted yeah really pleased and really proud of the boys again you know we um, uh, we had to weather some storms there we had to weather the first probably 10-15 minutes went down eight points and uh, yeah it looked like they had all the momentum but we managed just to keep our composure and when we got into that red zone we, we scored um, one more try then another more try and then found some open space and scored again so yeah, you know, really pl- proud of the way the fellas just didn't lose it in, in what camp or what is a hostile crowd here and a uh, hostile environment we just we stuck to our system stuck to our game and, and got through the first half second half um, yeah they, we knew they were going to come out again they had a lot to play for and they did scored two tries but again we stuck to our, our game and our, our composure and we managed to grind out a very good win What was key to not losing it? I think we didn't panic I think that was the most important thing. Um, you know, with with some new combinations and some young players out there, um, you know, they probably had every reason to panic and and to 
to maybe go a little bit soft, but we didn't do that. So uh, I was really pleased with the with the older heads we had in the in the in the squad. They came on and settled things down for us, and just the young fellas, just you now they keep rising to the occasion we give them. You said you're trying to win this competition, <coughs> yet you're leaving eleven frontliners out of the side. You lose the game, people are going to ask you, are you seriously trying to win this competition? Are you proven right here, or how does that fit into the context of, of a, comp- a mentality that says, yeah, we're trying to win it, but also we're, we're blooding player? Yeah, we we said at the front end of the week, you know, we, 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 we've had to select a team here, fellas, that we believe can go and win the game. Hmm. And honestly, meant that. Yeah. Now we knew, um, yeah, we, we might have been able to select a stronger team, but we believe this is a team that can come here and win it. And and if we can come here and show that we can win it, what a great experience for those fellas. So, genuinely, hand on my heart, meant that we could come here and win the game. Mm. Um, we've proven it right. So, that's a real compliment to the players that took the field tonight. And you didn't. It wasn't an eye on the games ahead, particularly, or was it? Oh, there's a, there's a, there's always an eye on those, but there's an okay. eye on on making sure that we're managing the squad well. Mm making sure that we're giving players adequate rest. Um, <clears throat> had some good discussions with Joe Schmidt recently around managing certain players and making sure that um, you know, we're, we're sticking to the IRU, IRFU policies around uh, you know, the players that they're looking at. So there's a, you know, there's, there's a multitude of things coming to your reason as to why you select a team the way you do. Um, but as a group of coaches, we sat down and said, that's the team we think can win it, and uh, they've proven us right tonight. This must be a vindication for what you're trying to achieve overall as well. Five wins in a row, very much in contention in the Challenge Cup and a good momentum into Christmas. Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, I was just saying before, that when we're having those wins, um, we're not getting carried away with it either. So straight away inside, that you know, it's been the same for the previous five games as well, or four games as well. It's... Um, you know the players when they talk they say it wasn't perfect we need to be better we can be better and my message is yeah we can be we'll always we'll always strive to be better but we're winning uh, and don't lose sight of that we're finding a way to get across the line so yeah we're building that depth and we're building that that belief within the squad and um, I just said a minute it's an absolute pleasure working with them every single player out there you can call on during these interpros with confidence now I presume that's it yeah and yeah I said we we do have some quality I just said that to the boys too we've got some quality sitting at home but you fellas were given the task to come over here and win and you've gone and done it so be proud of that I'm proud of that and we'll just keep building you're under the radar going into this Leinster fixture am I blowing that by saying that no you know you, you're going uh, we're away from home to the to the European champions and the and the Pro 14 champions, um, you know, they're a quality side. We know they are. Um, you know, we, we've we've spent majority of our time this year focusing on what we do. We'll have a look at them, of course we will, and we'll respect what they offer. But it's more about our systems and what we're trying to do, and, and making sure we play the game we want to play. Important clarification to start this interview, Dave Heffernan. Two tries, I believe, not one, as was announced. Two tries, yeah. No, yes. I'll, uh, I figured that, that one off, Sean. Right? Yeah, he. Uh, I think he tried to sneak it, but no, it was uh, that was me who got the two anyway. So yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, that will be clarified. Team effort. That was obviously team effort. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Speaking of team effort, all jokes aside, what a performance from a side that's obviously missing some of the frontline stars that maybe people would say would be automatic team sheet first names on it. Uh, kind of proving they're a deeper squad than maybe people think. Yeah, I think that's one of the massive, massive building blocks we've had over the last four weeks. The progression from to go to South Africa and the amount of change we've had uh, into Europe then. Um, it does show the depth we've had as a squad. Um, as you said, missing a lot of frontline guys, but you see guys putting pressure on uh, there tonight. Um, a lot of guys got opportunities in the last two weeks and um, yeah, fellas are putting their hand up all over the place, so it's going to be I'd imagine it'll be a tough selection now for uh, for some of those Interpro games and um, yeah, as I said, a lot of guys put their hand up tonight, so we have to be happy with that. You've had a good few seasons here. You've been captain the side now. Connacht have tried to rotate squads before, and it hasn't worked. What's the difference this year? Um, what's the difference this year? It's hard to know. We've just built a good atmosphere around the place. Um, there's serious competition for places as well. I think. Just think, we, we've probably had the players at times. Probably maybe just guys lacking confidence. Um, and I think Friendy has really pushed a lot of guys through. And, and yeah, giving guys the confidence to, to get us started especially in these European games and see how some of the guys reacted. There's just a really good culture around the place at the moment um, and you can see that's translating into results on the pitch. Um, so yeah, look, I think the squad depth has been um, mainly down to that and just the belief that the guys have in each other. So um, yeah. 
your head coach and your friends has just said he was most pleased with the fact that Connacht didn't panic how you handled tricky situations. He had two of them, eight yeah, nil down, yeah, ten points in did. the second half. Yeah, no, we uh, we actually spoke all week about starting well. And, uh, we didn't, <laughs> didn't pull that off. <laughs> we didn't really do that, no. But uh, now we have to be happy with the way we, we fought back. Um, obviously, there's a lot to learn and a lot of mistakes in those the start, the start of those periods. So, um we look back at that and it's yeah, it's not going to be nice for some guys obviously um, that'll be tough to watch but yeah the way we fought back is, is massive um, you can see that it's never easy to win in France like that crowd is, is unbelievable when they get behind them and when they get some momentum going so um, to get that fight back like it would have been easy to, to fold especially when we're missing front line guys but you can see the impact that the bench had was unbelievable Plot Blady, Tom, Masters when they all came on they all had key, key moments there um, and I think Obviously that and, and the red card probably turned the game for us when, when you're under the pump a lot. So, um, yeah. As a captain, what, what do you see your role when you're underneath the posts? Let's even take the start of the second half because it's an awful start to the second half. What are you saying to them? Um, just to keep that composure. Um, yeah, like we started both halves pretty poorly and just to bring it in, not to panic. I think we went away from what we, what we kind of planned all week at the start of both halves. We weren't hanging on to the ball. We were going into the contact too high and we were giving them opportunities to get offloads away and, and build momentum through that. So I think when we hung on to the ball and stuck to, to our, our structure and just kept composed, that was the main thing tonight because, as I said earlier, they're a momentum side and um, when, you, when they get rolling, they're, they're really hard to stop. So we, we did stop them eventually um, and I thought the way we finished out both halves was, was, was really impressive. You're back from injury and you're part of a squad that's winning five games in a row. You're a happier man than you were maybe six weeks ago. Uh, yeah, delighted to be back. Um, obviously, um, disappointed getting injured when I did, but I got a good run of it uh, before then, and um, just delighted to be back in the squad now and, and playing the last two weeks and, and getting two wins. It's been it's been incredible. Um, yeah, so look, we're we're in a good place at the moment, and I think everyone's dying to get into these interpros now. They're going to be massive, huge, huge three weeks for us. Um, yeah, switching the focus obviously away from Europe now back to. Back to the, the Rabo, so it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah. People are going to write off that RDS game, uh, people outside of Connacht anyways. Mm-hmm. What's the mindset like going into a game against a team that are the number one side in Europe? Yeah, well, obviously, we have a massive respect for them. They are the, the number one side in Europe, but we're going up there to win that game. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, I think there's massive belief in the squad. Um, the win and runner-on will help that a little bit, but yeah, like I think we probably had ourselves down a little bit in the home game against Leinster. Um, so yeah, we want to redeem ourselves and put in a really good performance and get a win up there. It's been it's been a long time, so yeah. Yeah, the nice reception from the fans there. Five tries in Perpignan and what a performance. Yeah, look, obviously the our fans again were unbelievable. Um, traveling over here again in what might be perceived as a smaller game for on the outside, but um, that was incredible. Um, the, the home and away fans were both brilliant tonight. I thought um, the, <laughs> atmosphere, the atmosphere was <laughs> incredible. I thought the Premier fans last week when they came over to Galway were also unbelievable in absolutely horrific conditions. So um, yeah, look, I think it was brilliant. Uh, great place to come and play. Um, and yeah, hopefully they pick up um, in the top fourteen now. I hope, I hope they, I hope they lift a bit because they've got a great fan base and a great club here. All right, that's the views from down underneath the stand after the game. Alan, Andy, friends, in great form now. And, you know, you'll have heard it there. I wanted to make that point to him, that he talks about winning competitions and then he's resting up to 11 frontliners. I think he answered it quite well. And I think overall, his project and what he's trying to achieve has been brought forward by this competition now, hasn't it? These three wins, using this amount of players. Well, if you go back to the year before we won the championship, Pat Lamb did exactly the same thing. Bayon, and where was it, La Rochelle? Yeah, 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 exactly the same thing. These guys have to be given the opportunity. They're professionals. They're playing with the frontliner or training with the frontliners on a regular basis. He sees them. He's, he's into building up confidence of these players, and you can see it's working. Can I challenge you? And you might say it's too pedantic, but I don't think Pat Lamb did the same thing. I think he did it in a couple of away games, but I think Andy Friend's taking it to a whole other level because what Pat Lamb did, what every other kind of coach did, when it came to the home games, he put out the full team. It's a little bit different this time. Four games now, and he's gone, no, these guys are my Challenge Cup guys for now. That's fair enough, yeah. 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 Pat Lamb did it on the away games, but he still had that, yeah, you know, yeah. he still wasn't afraid to throw the young guys in, which was not something we were used to in Connacht. No. And, and Andy Friend is doing it, and he's doing it in, in a clever way. And that last week, he put guys out with full internationals standing beside him. This week, he moved them in. You know, people might think, well, we've got Horowitz as a, as a 10, but he played an awful lot of rugby at 12. And, and Kieran Joyce, you know, did very well beside him because nothing seemed to go past him. 
Lindy, another parallel to the Pat Lam era is this team has just come back from a big trip and a tour, and that's what Russia was. This is obviously similar. I'm very interested to hear Andy talk about the fact that he had 11, and 11 players from the tour integrated with 11 players he didn't travel. He was actually quite aware of the fact that while it was a great uh, experience for the group to go together and build a team spirit, he was aware there's a lot of guys left at home, and he's really enjoying the fact that they're all merging back in. Yeah, interesting enough, he said that the, the, the guys he took to South Africa, they had gelled really well mm. as a group. But he said similarly, the ones left behind had done the same thing. Mm. And, I mean, whether they were integrating separately, they were still integrating with other players, which is the most important, the key thing. And now they've sort of back merged, you know. And I, I think that what he was wondering how that was going to go as well. But I think at the end of the day, we're looking at... A, a squad of players who are who are confident and very very contented and and uh, apparently that there is such a good a feel good feeling in the squad at the moment. Just like Packy at home and Dave at home and Danny at home and Emmett at home, we we'll all bring it back together and we get home. Is that right? Turn at home, listening to us. Well, I hope they were listening to us. <laughs> yeah, well, Danny called it again. Fifteen points. He got it right two weeks in a row. We'll have to get him to predict more often. Yeah, he did actually on the podcast during the week. He, Adamantly, you were all worried and worried, and he was Absolutely. like, "No, fifteen points." God, that was a huge call from Danny, actually. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I thought Connacht might get it done, but I didn't. I thought it would be much tighter than that. It was a very odd game of rugby. You I did say beforehand, though, William, and just to give you credit, you really did push back against the idea Connacht were going to lose for one key reason. You felt the losing mentality was and the pressure they were putting themselves under for this game was going to actually work against them. Uh, they did have a small event at the start for Baron Brits, who was tragically killed last week in the city here the ex-player and they mentioned Strasbourg as well um, and they did start like a, like a hurricane but there was something just wrong about the way they were set up there was a lot of overplaying and then when it went wrong for Perpignan the heads dropped there was and the discipline the yellow card was stupid the 10 metres they gave away that led to one of our tries was stupid and the red card was oh man yeah and that that just, that just shows a side that's not on it that's yeah, not re- focused they really did just self-implode didn't mm. they they really did I mean you know they had such a, a great opening and then it was like they couldn't handle the pressure and they just imploded I mean it was unnecessary the amount of penalties they ended up giving away yeah but a part of it came down to the pressure that Connick started putting on them their big man Vivalda had been made lots of ground early on in the game and then Sean O'Brien got into his channel and smashed him three times in a row and the last time was the, the time where Vivalda sat on the ground and threw his hands in the air going what are, what are, come on and you know Sean O'Brien just shut him down and, and put him out Who Sean had a great game and then actually when Masterson came on he got a turnover here that I haven't seen him do for about two or three years yeah. it was fantastic they were going wow this guy's back to speed as well and does that not like it's just a side tangent but what they do in medical science and sport these days the injury he has had but I think also incredible. it says that the value of this, the value of this competition yes. for allowing people like Owen Masterson to yes. get up to speed Dave Heffern coming back and absolutely and I mean now you have a squad I mean I'm sure so many people are so delighted to see Owen Masterson back, you know, and and playing. Maybe still not at his best, but being given the opportunities in in this environment to actually get up to speed. Yeah, also really, really pleased with a couple of other players tonight. I'm going to start with James Conley. Tony played very, very well. He's a player who's had sparks of brilliance in the past, then drifted away. Seems to be coming back in. Well, I was my player of the match. Was he? I yeah. thought, yeah, I thought because I thought he was there. For, for, what he did all the time, he was in the right place at the right time. Mm. Made some key, key plays, and he made good decisions. And he look, it comes back again to winning. If you can get a winning mentality, it'll bring, it raises all players in a team. It's when winning just helps, and you see it from the top sides. Uh, the likes of you know, look at a side like Leinster. They, people talk about yeah, they've got all these players, and they have, and they they've got an endless supply of them. But winning helps bring bringing players into winning teams or winning organisations is far better than bringing in young players if you've lost three games in a row, because they're coming into a different atmosphere around the dressing room, around the training grounds, and it's just vital that the that they've done that, and it sets them up now for what's ahead of them. I think as well with someone like James Connolly is that it's it's possible that he didn't really suit Pat Lamb's style 
of coaching or playing. And I think James Connolly is someone who possibly plays a little bit more intuitively and and this is what he's been allowed. He's been allowed to do that in, in the anti-friends coaching method. And I think that's possibly why we are seeing a little bit more of um, James Connolly at his best because he didn't really have many opportunities during Pat Lamb's era. My favourite moment of the game was the uh, Sean O'Brien try, try number three. It was just in a really interesting spell. Connick suddenly started just to realise that they were kind of running backwards and drifting back and they ran at them. Matt Healy ran at them on the far side. That set it up. Robin Copeland then just went, you know what, I'm going to shove my defender away and go straight on. And he did really well. All right, he tossed the ball back. But William highlighted that that wasn't a bad move because he didn't just randomly pass it. He made sure it it went back and there was Sean O'Brien scooped up. That was a good try, wasn't it? It was. It was a very good try. And, and talking about players who impressed, um, I was really pleased with James Mitchell. He was so efficient. He got around the field. It was all done very quietly. His passing, he kept putting the ball slightly in front of everybody and making them run onto the ball, forcing them onto the front foot, which kept Connick, getting Connick across the game line. Um, very impressed with him. And he helped Fitzgerald have a really good game too. One more bit of audio to drop into the podcast this week. Chairman of the EPCR, Simon Halliday, was in Galway last week for the home game against Perpignan. And William Davis caught up with him. I'm delighted to say it's Sunday morning here in the Connacht Hotel. Breakfast is going on and I'm sitting down with Simon Halliday, CEO of European Professional Club Rugby, who was in Galway yesterday for uh, the rugby match and the biblical weather. Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be here. I've never been to this part of Ireland before. And uh, a beautiful drive up from Limerick yesterday. And, well, I can only call biblical weather, but I thought both teams coped with it extremely well and gave us a match uh, to be proud of. So I'm delighted to be here. It's very seasonal and I'm loving it. Well, I've always been asking you when you were going to come to Galway. I was rather hoping you wouldn't arrive to see that, but... uh... Yeah, we get used to that, but that was a special sports ground day. The wind blowing straight down the pitch and uh, rain showers that would have um, floated a boat if there'd been one out there. Um, Just having a look at where we are with European rugby, we always try to get a little uh, sense and a feel for it. This season has got off to a fairly interesting start in both competitions. Yeah, I I think, you know, you look back over a period of time and we have uh, made consistent improvements through the season. And the most important one um, this year is obviously free-to-air television, which means um, the the matches are available to um, a lot more people, millions more people, which is fantastic. I think, you know, the the fact is that some of the strongest teams in Europe are actually in the Challenge Cup this year, which has given an extra spice to things. And obviously, we still have this scenario where international rugby is being played by people with club jerseys. You know, you can look at, in the main competition, Exeter haven't done as well as they should have done. Leinster almost had a scare at Bath. Um, Toulouse have emerged as a surprise package. You know, and I think within the Challenge Cup, given you've got automatic uh, promotion to the Champions Cup, everyone is using um, these European terms as a way of testing themselves at a higher level. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, the likes of Connaught and Sale um, and Clermont, etc., Uh, and Northampton are going to be in the mix, I'm sure, towards the back end of the season. The free-to-air television decision, um, it came as a little bit of a surprise, but it had been been hinted at. But were you glad to get that deal over the line? You know, the the whole tournament is a balance, isn't it, between um, the commercial piece, which is very important to everybody. You know, we're seeing every week, really, the game needs proper financing and funding at all levels. Um, and also access to the public. And obviously, once we realised that BT Sport was going to be the main broadcaster, we knew we had a responsibility to make certain that, going forward, um, the people who love this tournament um, have the sort of access that they need. So the, the deals we've done in England with uh, Channel 4 and obviously with Virgin Media over here, they're very, very important to us because it, it, it brings um, a fantastic game of rugby, a fantastic tournament, to many, many more people. So... Uh, it's been very important to us. Simon, interestingly, yesterday, um, especially for sports media geeks like myself, the match in Galway was streamed on your own site using a couple of cameras and the ref link. And it seems to have got some uh, fairly people who were very happy because otherwise they would have just wouldn't have been able to watch the match. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, this whole trend, because... I think if you look across the whole of media, 
um, you're finding that you know we have to respond to uh, the different needs and requirements of our of our customer base and particularly you know the millennials if you like um, to coin a phrase but are searching for different types of ways to see um, their favorite media their favorite sport or their favorite program um, we obviously have a situation where the challenge cup isn't visible on, on TVs it used to be uh, and we're seeking ways to to try and offset that and I think um, but this will be a trend and I, and I do believe that getting access giving access to more and more people around the world is where we're going to go um, and you know I'm sure we'll see more of it maybe later this season maybe even next season it might become the strategy to get uh, the Challenge Cup out there it might become a more streamed event well you, you've got to look at the, the amount of capacity people have got obviously there's a lot of matches that take place through the season uh, these weekends a lot and a lot of them are extremely interesting to many people you know they're real clashes as I said you know you've got Challenge Cup multiple European Cup winners uh, participating there you can't cover everything. And so um, giving people access to that, I think, is really important. And sometimes people only want to see the highlights, for example. So they might be able to cut and paste and, and generally kind of access what they need and then move on to the next match. And actually, I find myself doing that because I've only got a limited amount of time. I can't watch absolutely every game, you know, from start to finish. So I, I quite enjoy clips because it, it allows me to find out what the game was like and if I want to push further in, then I can do that. So... Oh, this is the world of new media, and I think we, we absolutely need to get to the rugby fans in any way we can. Another topic that's up for discussion, and I suspect it, you've had to look at this, is Brexit is coming or not coming. We, we're not going to get into that. This isn't a political podcast. But how? what sort of planning have you had to do for that, and is it going to impact on the way that uh, European rugby is, is, is run and particularly maybe with the fact that if passports change, it's going to make registering players. The whole thing is, seems very complex. I think from a, a player registration point of view, obviously all the leagues have got their own rules and there was some um, interesting stuff around the English leagues and what might happen if uh, you get some changes in that. Um, but, but, you know, they're on to it. And at the end of the day, you know, we will have to just you know, let them get, get their act straight on that. As far as the broader picture is concerned, um, we at EPCR... Uh, it's not even been mentioned amongst us in terms of how is it going to change the way we do things. Um, you know, rugby crosses many agendas and, uh, you know, politics is... We've got our own politics to work out, let alone anyone else's. It's right on the radar screen now. And obviously, I'm paying attention to what could happen on December the 11th, uh, where it's going to lead us. And I actually have myself, given my financial background been trying to talk to financial investors who are often well ahead of the game on what uh, could happen. It's nothing formal yet. Uh, the government, frankly, well, what are they going to be able to say to us? The RFU have had one or two uh, broad commentary uh, hand, hand it down to itself. But um, because Brexit Impact Day is our corner final weekend, I think in the next week or two, uh, we will be very focused on it. Overall, can you give me a sense of where you think rugby is? We're in a very interesting situation in Ireland now where rugby is right at the forefront of sport. Um, the success of the national team, the success of Leinster currently, Munster in the past, but it's becoming a real... There's a real interest here, and I'm beginning to find people who either didn't follow it or didn't know a lot about it. But are you getting a sense that there's a good strength to the game, that there's a positive feeling around it? Short answer is yes. Uh, obviously, I've been involved in rugby for many, many years now as a player, really since the mid-70s and uh, in administration for 25 years. So I get a, a good cross-section view of it, um, toured all around the world. So um, Ireland, by the way, I have been on record as saying has the best rugby business model in the world, bar none. And that's why you're successful. Uh, and obviously, everyone is trying to look at that model and say, how can we replicate or you know, use our assets better, the players? Players uh, and how they operate are um, you know, it's under scrutiny for player welfare reasons. Um, I won't step back from that at all. That's really important we get that right. That is going to mean that we have to look at our structures. Everyone does. You know, World Rugby is, is asking questions about where international rugby fits, 
We've got worries about financial strength in certain other areas of the world, the ability to bring tier two nations through the system. You name it, it's out there. It's all for one reason. The game is growing in popularity. But you've got to manage that growth. And I think the biggest challenge we have is that too many people are making their own plans. And that will lead to disaster. So Pichet's right in one sense, but the way that you deal with it is not the way that World Rugby is dealing with it, which is on their own. You have to embrace the other competitions around the world, the major club owners, all of these people have a say in the future. And if we don't wake up to that, we're going to have some problems. But it's a wonderful problem to have because it shows that the game is growing in popularity. The product is brilliant. Um, the coverage of it is brilliant and the enthusiasm behind it is tangible literally every day. And following on from that, the decision to move the finals to Newcastle uh, next year and then Marseille, which I suppose is not maybe rugby areas that immediately jump out. Um, is that taken for that reason? Do you want to spread that gospel? I think Newcastle is going to be a great success, by the way. Well, you know, we... Um, in my first year, we went to Lyon, which was an uncompleted football stadium, uh, which has been built for the Euros. And we took a risk, and it was a sellout. And the, the city of Lyon embraced it hugely. Um, we'd obviously decided to change the merry-go-round of the national stadiums. Having said that, we went to uh, Edinburgh, which was a huge success. And people in Edinburgh said on the day of the match, and that weekend was more vibrant even than an international weekend, which was lovely to hear. Obviously, since then, you know, we've been to Bilbao, which is first time outside Six Nations territory. Um, an unqualified success with one or two uh, problems around logistics and transport and accommodation, which I was very upset about because we knew they were there and we didn't deal with them very well. Um, I say we collectively, um, City of Bilbao included. Um, so here we are in Newcastle. We've told the fan village could be 20,000 strong. Uh, the Newcastle City is literally preparing for it today. Um, it's a sellout. I think we'll have a record Challenge Cup crowd. So uh, 40,000 is being pushed for, if not more. So it's a wonderful thing. Marseille, I went to the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup 2007. The French played there recently against the All Blacks. So I think it's a massive rugby city and it should be brilliant. Um, what happens next, though, is not exclusively let's go find another exotic location. You know, we have to make certain that we play that growth. So we can't just go to 50,000-seater stadiums perhaps anymore. Perhaps we need to look upwards again. And we'll do that. And we've said to all the unions, you know, this isn't game over. You know, if you want to put your stadium forward, your national stadium, do so. Um, we're building our whole ticketing expertise along the way. I wouldn't rule out going back to another major stadium in the next couple of years. And just looking at how the competition is structured and set up, do you see a situation where we might see the South African teams who are playing in the Pro 14, can you see a role for them in Europe? Or is that going to be very difficult to, to actually fit in with their structure? Well, remember, the way that we operate is to take what we're given, if you see what I mean, from the different leagues. And there's so much discussion going on, whether in the Premiership, Pro 14, as it stands now, or indeed the French, as to how they operate their tournament. It's nothing to do with us. Um, however... There's obviously this anomaly that if the Cheetahs were to finish second or third consistently, no sign of that at the moment, then the questions would be asked. Uh, the Pro 14 didn't ask our permission to bring in, or the Pro 12 then, to bring in South African teams. It wasn't anything to do with us. They informed us, uh, and, you know, let's see how it goes. In the, as the new cycle approaches, only two, three years away, we're going to have to talk about what the new tournament or the next cycle looks like. If that's to include South Africans, then it has to be unanimous decision um, by the leagues and the unions that own EPCR, primarily though the leagues. So uh, the English and the French will have to listen to that proposition if it were to come, uh, along with us at EPCR, obviously, and make decisions on the back of it. Obviously, it's a work in progress at the moment. I don't see too many full stadiums out in South Africa. I don't know the reason for that. I mean, it's... Um, uh, clearly, they're not the two strongest franchises, but rugby loves. Uh, sorry, South Africa loves their rugby, so there has to be a reason. When you send out a, a, one of the top Pro 14 teams, that's a very exciting thing for a South African supporter. So, I guess that's going to grow over time. But um, we have to receive the request first, um, and that hasn't happened. So, there's nothing more to say, really. 
Simon, it's been great to talk to you. Delighted you've made it to go. We hope to see you back here again at some stage. And uh, maybe we'll get the sun to shine. We're kind of getting towards the end. We've had an eventful little trip here. Fun times. It's not over yet, Rob. Well, hang on, we left uh, around, well, I left around 8 o'clock. I think he did the same. I left the mayor. We met up in our usual spot. Thanks to Supermax, who always let us leave a car there in Loch Ray. It's a good spot for everyone to meet these guys. And we got on the road. And we got Plaza. Plaza, yeah. And we found our way to Barcelona Airport. And I checked on the map and it was two hours and 20 minutes. And I figured it'd be a bit longer with traffic. How long did it take us in total? It took us about six hours. Now, we did, the plane was delayed for the first time in God knows how long. Because there was, like, queues of planes on the tarmac. There was queues of planes. There was, there was wind shear going on. There was planes, yeah. There was and then traffic in Barcelona, which probably helped us negotiate Barcelona, which is complicated. We stopped for a bit of food, and then we got stuck, thanks to the uh, yellow vests. Listen, it's been eventful, but we're still here. And you know what? I think the feeling's good. Definitely, for me, the best moment of the season so far, because of the context, because of the young players out there, like Fitzgerald, Joyce, Leader, all getting a chance... All that stuff, Matthew Burke off the bench again, showing well. All these players just coming through. Yeah, they, they all look as if they belong. And in the past, younger players coming in to Connacht setups sometimes haven't looked as if they belong. They weren't sure of their roles. And but I'll go back again. I'm going to repeat myself. You can. Do, it's much easier to do that when you just win games. And they've. they've once you get that role going, it doesn't matter what sport it is. They come into a different mindset. The players around them. They're watching their mates go out and win one week and now it's their opportunity to go out and win and and front five did it again took initial problems for the first 10 minutes just to get up to speed then the front five Gavin Thornbury and you know had, a, had an excellent game you again. think he's pushing I, I was naming who was first choice and who wasn't you think he's virtually first choice now I do yeah pushing hard I against do. Delan, I guess yeah although I'm not sure if he went off with an injury he looked he did, a bit yeah, dodgy yeah. Not, yeah. but hopefully he's okay I, I have to say though can they beat Leinster Yes. Really? In yes. the audience? Yes. Absolutely. With this team, with the belief that, that that is in that team now, I think, yeah, I don't Not see why they can't. Mark McHugh kicked a drop goal. Oh. Everyone thought it was going to Eric Elwood. Oh. In Donnybrook. Thank you, Lindley. Oh. Well, they thought it was going to Eric Elwood. That's the last time Connacht won up in Dublin. It's a long time with him. 2002. 2002. It is a long time. First time I reported on the Connacht game. The funny thing is... But let's face it, they should have won last year, shouldn't they? Well, this year. They should have won on New Year's Day. Yes, absolutely. That's the thing. New Year's Day. That, that, was, that was a game yeah. that got away. Um, and and it's it, kind of a turning point, really, as well. Well, it, it didn't help. It knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit because they'd beaten Ulster in mm. the first Interpro game. And the problem was... They panicked in that game. It's white line fever, and they just and they did things that they don't seem to do now, where there wasn't enough belief to get that job done because they had Leinster on the rack. Uh, yeah, I think they, they can go up there on Saturday evening and they can they can really go for it. And the, who, whatever side he picks, and we know he has to mix and match because you cannot keep picking the same people for he all three games anymore. There's a lot of players there. Well, that's the whole point. He yeah. has he has players. Um, and like I was, I mean, of course they can win in in in, in uh, the RDS. Of course they can, I but it's the idea of going for all three. You just wonder, can it be done? And now you're starting to I'm think. I'm doing a Dave. I'm doing a Dave Finn. Why not? If you're not going out to win, what's the point? Absolutely, I, I, and that's Andy Friends' view. I think the biggest issue was I think defensively, Connacht are quite strong. Mm. I'm not so sure when we saw it, if if Connacht play same way attacking wise that they did in the sports ground against Leinster they won't win because they actually got frustrated and struggled to make any impact going forward points to three in the end yeah it was a real it was a real dominant yeah. they just they just couldn't they just couldn't yeah they just couldn't find the gaps they just couldn't make any any headway going forward Connacht were a better side now than they were in that game but they're at the same time this is the same you know Connacht that lost to the Ospreys that lost to Edinburgh lost to Glasgow yes they've won these five games Perping on the struggling, we know oh, that. We know, we know. You know the cheetahs and kings aren't as good as they were last year. In the case of the cheetahs, I, I don't want to kill the momentum here, guys. But three wins from three, definitely possible. Mo- mother and father of all us. Uh, well, it probably won't. Well, we start with the RDS. One win from one. Well, yeah, again, yeah. Well, you're also looking at Ulster had a bonus point win tonight, which means that they're fun. flying, they're up there, and they're going to be, they're going to be coming to to Connacht to right a few wrongs. So what are we looking for from these games? Let's forget about the three from three. But so what else are we looking for beyond? We want to win every game. Well, definitely want to win two home games. That's to me that has to be 
the absolute win two. You home think there's games. a bit of pressure on them to deliver in that context, even after what they've done? Yeah, yeah. I think we need to win our home games. I think it's hugely important. There's there's still fans. That, like five thousand people turned up last week in horrendous weather, and five people still, twelve thousand people still turned up. Like there is a massive interest in Connacht rugby at the moment. And does this result help? Absolutely, of course yeah. it does. Spread yeah. through the weekend, won't it? It will. Um, but thinking interprovincial is, is a different setup. You're going. You, I mean, the ticket sales are going well anyway for those games. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what Ulster do. They, they, I mean, all these sides. I know they, they, they will. They be looking for revenge for Belfast. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just look on that as a game that. As they, you said, they have to beat Munster at home. And that's the game. problem. Yeah, because that's that, that's their first pressure game, and then uh, they're away to Connacht, and, and then they're away to Leinster. So that's where these coaches have to earn their corn. They have to get these sides ready. Whether they should have to play three Interpros in fourteen days, I don't know. Does it devalue the product of Interpros? Maybe. But then look at the crowds that are going to turn up to watch them. So people love that type of rugby. And once a guy puts on a jersey and he, you know, it's he's a Connacht player or an Ulster player. Um, but it's it, it is a, next Saturday night is a totally different challenge to what happened tonight. They, I mean, <laughs> Leinster are a bit of a machine. But it's great to have the opportunity for these players and this squad and this organisation to test themselves against them. They, they, are the they, they are the team to measure that teams measure themselves by, and you know it will be a great learning for some of those young players if they are selected to go out and to go out um, against Leinster. And to bring it back to this competition quickly, it'd be great to get a chance to test yourself against La Rochelle or Clermont Auvergne, which is possibly the route they're going towards if they can win their next two games. And to bookend this, because we won't get to talk about Challenge Cup again for a few weeks, Sale next at home, then away to Bordeaux. Two wins, maybe need one more bonus point, but even two wins we think might just be enough to get a quarter-final place. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll have to look at the results. The rest of the results over the weekend will yeah. have a big impact on that because there's a couple of um, pools that are, you know, have games this weekend that are going to have a ma- massive influence on our, our thing. Update us in the midweek one? podcast as well, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Midweek podcast will have all the updates as to where we stand and, and the permutations. This was the third time that Connacht have won five in a row, as Lindy said earlier on. It's actually the fourth because we did it twice in the championship winning season. But I understand the same season. The last time we did this, or the first time we did it, was in 2002, the year that he dropped the goal. Mark McGee dropped goal! Just wanted to get oh, down comes full sir. Seriously, folks, you have to see it, right? Eric Elwood <laughs> standing there. Five Leinster players go for Eric Elwood. McHugh standing there, and I'm there in the crowd going, it's going to McHugh, they don't even know it. Oh, Bye, folks, we'll talk to you midweek podcast building up towards Leinster and such a squad rotation. Will you be on commentary next weekend in the RDS? Certainly are. Yeah, look, look with that. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Alan, you're on co-commentary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Live good. on Goib FM. Yeah, it was great. Just get back to. It's great just to have the podcast back, the proper podcast. It's been a bit nuts for the last few weeks. It's just been brilliant. You've done a fantastic again. job, and all the lads at home. And last week's was superb. Thanks to Bertie Rabbits as well. Really good. Okay, we're out of here. Bye, folks. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes Sad.